So what's up HVAC crew? Welcome back to another episode of HVAC R&D. We do have a guest on the night. This is the second try at this, so we're pumped. We're finally got everybody together. Um, it should be a good show. Got some, uh, I'm looking at the notes here. We got some pretty in-depth questions. So uh, without further ado, let's get it going. Yeah, come on. So what's up, HVAC crew? Like Dennis said, welcome back to another episode. We're excited to have our guest on this evening. But as usual, I gotta, I gotta, you know, I gotta talk for a little bit before we get there because you know I want to make sure everyone knows I'm still here. Because later on, I'll disappear probably in the conversation at some point. Right. <laughs> and of course, my my dogs are gonna make sure you know they're here because they're always here. Oh, yeah. Um. But uh, quick shout out. Make sure to go check out the HVAC R&D Pink Warrior hat. Uh, we got just a few of them left from our breast cancer awareness fundraiser for October. I know uh, this will be going out first Friday of November, but come on, guys. We still got some time to get these out the door. Also, make sure to follow us on social media on Instagram at HVACRD, as well as on TikTok, Linktree, and then Facebook. And also, a big shout out to Trade Hounds. They continue to. Uh, continue to help push us and we're growing over there it's a great community and camaraderie for just fostering and building a big trade family with a lot of exclusive content i post some stuff over there that you won't see on instagram or any of our other stuff so make sure to go check it out also we're going to be dropping uh two fresh new stickers this friday um following up uh on some promises so make sure to be on trade hounds on friday evening and saturday morning you'll see some new stuff and then also, please just make sure that you are registered and ready to go, packed to get on the plane or get in the car, whatever you need to get to the AHR Expo in Atlanta, February 6th through the 8th of 2023. We'll be recording live from the podcast between 1 and 2 on the floor. Going to have some meet and greet sessions, as well as uh, you might get to meet the ladies of HVAC R&D. So Tracy and Kristen might steal the show. Who knows? Going to have some cool swag. Yeah. That's true. You know, going to give uh, some cool swag giveaways at the meet and greets. Going to knock out the five o'clock somewhere episodes on Monday and Tuesday. So we're excited to see you guys there. And for any other information, you can always check our link tree in our social media bios. But I'll say that trade hounds, are they their Instagram too, right? Oh, yeah, they are. They are. They are. That's how that's we uh, that's how we get people converted. Right. That's how we there get you, you converted over. So, uh, 
But you know, we're we're here tonight to uh, enjoy a good conversation with a uh, second times the charm guest. Um, if you guys haven't been using the AHR 2022 software award winning app from Blue On, you uh, might want to get that on your phone. There's over a hundred. Well, I know it's over a hundred thousand, but at this point, hell, it might be over a hundred twenty thousand. We'll find that out pretty shortly. We're gonna know the numbers inside now. So, uh, so please welcome founder, chairman, and CEO of Blue On, Mr. Peter. Welcome to the show, sir. Thank you for being on. Thank you guys. Yeah. And just a word to the wise, uh, the best way to pronounce the name is think cappuccino and then just flip it around to cappuccini and, and you're there. The best part is I'm, I'm like a quarter Italian and I'm <laughs> laced with the Italian last name, but it is what it is. <laughs> Surely nobody has screwed your last name up, right? <laughs> yeah. Never, never happens. No, no, and I feel awful because, uh, I likewise am very used to people ruining my entire name. Oh yeah, Atzenhofer. That's a tough one. Yeah, and, yeah. and, and Ryden doesn't help either. <laughs> well, I was looking at I was looking at Peter's last name on the screen here, and I was hoping I wasn't going to have to be the one to bring it out. <laughs> Actually, <laughs> I I pronounced it in the the proper English pronunciation. Pusiati. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Hey, I'll take it. It's better than most. All good. So, what's going on, sir? How you been? Oh man, busy as hell. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a bit of a crazy ride over here. I mean, we're the the growth is outrageous, and the, it's just a ton of fun. And you know, this business keeps changing for the better uh, as we keep building it. And you know, all comes down to building it through the eyes and the lens of of serving the the tech community. I think that's right. you know, it's kind of our secret sauce is just keep it coming back to that. But no, it's. It's spectacular. You know, it's, you know, never, never would have thought we'd be where we're at now a couple of years ago. But yeah, excited to talk about it and give you guys the greatest, latest and greatest and what we're up to and hopefully uh, educate some folks on, on where we're going. Yeah. I like it. Well, so before we get going, I don't know if you've listened to the show. You do have the notes in front of you and hopefully you brought a brew for us. Uh, we do. We do like to start the show. I mean, it's, it's, I don't know. It's nine 30 here. It's after yeah. hours. It's uh, <laughs> it is past five o'clock somewhere. It's usually too late for me to be drinking a beer, but it is what it is. This is when we have to record these. So what have you got for us tonight? What have you brought to the show? Yeah, I'm not really a beer guy, but I am drinking okay. a very stiff vodka, you know, vodka soda, which is kind of my go-to with a little, uh, little lime in it, but really it's an excuse to, eat, to drink vodka with ice is what it comes down to. The right. <laughs> <laughs> That's perfect. That's yeah. perfect. All right. What's your, what's your vodka choice? Are you, do you care? Oh, Tito's, uh, Tito's okay. only. Yeah. There you go. You can't go wrong with that. Yeah, Luckily, uh, my wife actually found out that the cheaper the vodka, 
the better she feels, which is completely backwards. Um, I, I kind know. of agree though, because some, some of right? the more expensive vodka is the more damaging, right? I mean, Tito's right? is pretty inexpensive and, and awesome, but you go up okay. the ladder sometimes, and yeah, you regret it. I, I would, I would, I would somewhat, I wouldn't go down to like the the Bukoff level, but uh, yeah. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> try to stick with a glass bottle, I guess. <laughs> no yeah, PVC. Yeah. Don't go down to the Burnett's. Just oh. stick with the Smirnoff. Yeah. Oh, Burnett's. Burnett's got a million flavors, though. <laughs> All right, so uh, I'm actually just uh, I'm just doing a Stella tonight. Um, nice. Not not too bad. But I don't think I've ever drank a Stella on here, so. No, I don't open. think you have. I like so. There we go. Yeah, it's a good. I guess you call it a light beer. Good light beer. So Ryan usually mind, brings a. You when you're, in, you know, when you're, I don't know if you guys ever traveled in Europe, but it's that flavor, that Stella flavor, is so brings you back, you know, into that that world. So so will a Heineken if you drink it when you're in the Netherlands or Holland, however you want to call it. Right. Uh, it always tastes the best when you're there. Oh man, or a Peroni when you're in Italy. I have to throw Ooh, that. I got actually have some Peronis in my fridge right now. Everybody comes, my buddies come over, and like, what in the hell is that? <laughs> but every once in a while, I catch it in the grocery store here, so it's not too bad. Not bad. What you got, Ryden? Ryden's usually so, bringing a meal in a can, so no, I didn't. I already <laughs> had. Uh, I'll admit, I had a couple uh, Crown and Gingers at dinner, so uh, winding down with a, a usual. All right. Signature hitchhiker pop top, which um, in our vernacular, hitchhiker is a modello. There's a oh, long, uh, a long story about a joke that I told my <laughs> wife one time, then it stuck. <laughs> I love it. All right. So I guess if you want to give us like, I know, like I said, I know you've been on a few shows um, and we just, we appreciate you going around and getting on, you know, getting on the podcast and everybody's trying to push the trade hard. Um, but if you want to give us just a rundown of maybe what you've been working on or, you know, and then we'll kind of get into your background in a little bit. Yeah. Cause we, we definitely, we, uh, we all love our trades and we love what we do, but we also want guys to remember it's okay to have a life. Um, right. Cause sometimes we all just, we, we, when we put our nose to the grindstone, it happens. So we, we really want to make sure that uh, we give everybody all the fun out-of-work stuff every now and then, too, so they stay interested. Can't give yeah, them too no, much tech talk all the time. Yeah. No, I, I, it's funny, you know, it's we always talk. You know, we my main focus in building this business has been building the culture and, and the team and just the, the way we work and how we work. And, you know, we always come back to one saying that, everyone who works here is sort of motivated by a service to others mentality. Like we all get our, like, yeah, our, whatever you want to call it, our joy, our gratitude, our, our pep, whatever the hell you want to call it in life by helping a community or helping others. You know, no one here is really all that self-interested in self-promotion. And when you put people like that together, you get some real, real magic. And I think that spirit is more, embodied in the the trades and particularly the tech community than it is anywhere else like in in u.s society right it's you know that you go in the the corporate world and most people are just you know full of shit and self-centered and looking to stab their co-worker in the back 
<clears throat> but in the you know in the trades and the tech community, people are much more you know glued at at helping helping others. I mean, it's sort of a sounds right. cliche as shit, but it's a I think it's the truth. And, and that's, well, no, that's, I didn't even think of that. That's a good point. I mean, you, you don't see you don't see a lot of uh, well, you, you know. You, you can't go on Instagram and find a bunch of corporate people uh, helping everybody out <laughs> on no. TikTok no, or something, right? Exactly. Like like you see in this trade. So that's a good point. Yeah, it's funny because you know the way we we hire people here is we we do like we we do the culture interviews first, and then if you pass the culture, then you get to do the like the regular interviews. And with every job that we hire, so we're about we have 158 people and about. 38 of those or 37 of those are techs. The, the techs and mechanics, you know, pretty much all of them pass the culture test, right? And then it's just a matter of, you know, skill test on the other stuff, whether it's ops or sales or software dev or engineering, it's like 50 to one that fail the culture test, right? And have to get into it. It's remarkable. You know, it's like finding guys that meet the culture on the tech side is easy. You know, it's just finding the guys with the right skills is, is more difficult, but we always laugh at how it's totally upside down uh, in that world. But yeah, in terms of, of what we're up to, I mean, we're really, you know, we spent this year getting our, you know, getting our whole, for lack of a better word, e-commerce platform established where it, you know, it was, it was initially created and letting letting techs and letting suppliers connect to our community and numbers 146,000 just FYI in terms there you of go. I knew it was I knew it was <laughs> was getting that way the last time I saw the stats it was in the in the 120s I thought yeah no it's it's growing fast I mean the big the, the number that matters though we've got about 45,000 what we call blue on pros and there's the ones that have that have basically given us all of their information in terms of, you know, where, you know, what are the, what are the supply houses they use? Where do they shop? What do they do? What do they work on? And now that information allows us to really connect them, you know, correctly at the right time when they need, you know, whatever they need. And so that, that's the number that we're really focused on is is that, that core element of the community growing. But yeah, this whole year has been getting that platform off the ground. Uh, and getting distributors, you know, suppliers to sign up and connect on that network. And so we've got about 1,600 uh, stores on the network. We'll have probably 2,500 by spring next year, which gives us, you know, critical, pretty good critical mass around like half the half half of all stores out there, half of all distributors in the country by by the beginning of next year. So that was a big deal, right? Getting that off the ground, building right. all the infrastructure. And now we're all about getting guys to adopt it and try it and check it out, you know, and figure out why it works and get the feedback. We're like a giant feedback machine, right? It's like, tell us what we fucked up and we'll, you know, we'll, we'll build it different and tweak it, uh, make it work to the satisfaction of the tech, which is what we really focus on. And then we're, we're adding, I think, I don't know if you guys know or not, but we're, we're teaming up with a company called Curry, which these guys are thinking of them like as the Uber of, uh, contractors of distributors and they they provide that last mile delivery uh oh. from the distributor yeah, I, I heard about this um from one of your uh territory managers oh um, cool i know that's not the proper term i know you guys that's use okay. slightly yeah. different term. That's, that's just all right that, that's what i i know <laughs> of because that's what i am too um so yeah i heard that something like that was coming um, it's it's a big deal man it's and what's amazing about it is it's you know it sounds super easy yeah who you know it, it, it makes a ton of sense, right? Obviously, anybody in the field would rather have a super easy like DoorDash 
a delivery of a part or materials when they need it. But it's it's so not so simple because no. as you guys know, when you're in the field, <laughs> no. you don't know where the hell you're going to be. You don't know who has what. You don't know the availability. You don't know what you know where you've now gone to on the next job. So, you know, all of those variables are are so different than they are if you're ordering dinner, you know, on, on Uber Eats or, or DoorDash. So figuring all that out, working with them uh, has been really cool. That's going to launch, you know, probably right around early December and then really take off in the the first quarter of next year. That'll be super cool because now you be able to, you know, get your parts and materials at your local distributor, hit a button and, you know, Curry picks it up, brings it to you. Nothing, nothing like super simple. Uh, and that whole idea of being able to, you know, have that, those, those, those parts and materials delivered to you when you need them, where you need them, you know, when you need them is, is going to be a, a game changer. And so we've been really ton of time working on that um, along with the, the whole distributor network, but it's been, it's been a hell of a ride. I mean, getting, getting all these distributors to play ball and really finance the operation because they, those guys pay the bills, right? That's where right. we provide all this free stuff and free service to the techs and contractors as a result of the distributors playing ball uh, and the OEMs playing ball to sort of finance the whole thing. Cause obviously they, they all benefit from having more productive and more efficient guys in the field, getting more jobs done uh, as a well, result. And, and I also say, let's, let's hold some of that. We don't want to give them away everything first. Cause I want us to kind of walk through some of the path of how you even got to the point of, of where cool. you guys are now. Cause there's some of this that, you know, Dennis and I, both of us didn't really get into the, the social media scene and start even seeing stuff like blue on until maybe some, I would say for me, almost less than a year ago. So okay. there's a lot of how right. you guys even came out that, that I don't understand or he doesn't know that I definitely want us to kind of walk through so that everyone else can kind of see how you guys got where you are too. Cause I really want them to see that timeline because a lot of people yeah, don't yeah. always get to hear that. Um, they see something blow up you know, in, in the app space or something else. And they're like, Oh geez, everyone's using this. Well, that's great. But how'd you even get here? Right. <laughs> because yeah, you know, I, I found that I saw blue on as an app. I never even knew that it started with refrigerant. Yeah. So, so yeah, let's, let's, let's pump the brakes and we'll back up into some of that. I know Dennis, <laughs> what, what so Dennis, I know you've been on the road a bunch too. Um, we kind of all have, but what have you been working on this week? Well, I was going to say, I, I've just been training, right? But I've seen three guys this morning I was training. They all had a blue on hat on. So, <laughs> there you go. so that's good, right? Um, Love that. Yeah, I mean, just training on all the, you know, I'm, I'm on a, I actually train on the Bosch product. Um, I'm, I actually am a manufacturer's rep. So mm-hmm. uh, we're training on the Bosch product, but I've been seeing blue on a lot. Um just all the techs right in, yep. in the in the in the classroom and i've actually so I, I did have it downloaded when i was with the distributor um and they i guess that email when they canceled that email i gotta redo the app or i gotta re go back in as a i guess i don't know i guess i'll go back back in as a tech or i'm not sure how that'll work but um, oh i see if you were on the if you signed up as a, tech, as a, as a distributor tech. yeah yeah Okay. Yeah. So they, I guess, you know, they shut that email down. So, uh, when I change jobs, so they'll, I guess they'll, uh, I'll, I'll go back in blue on reminded me I needed to fix that a couple days ago. Um, so yeah, just been training, you know, same thing. It's that time of year. 
everybody's and i was going to ask you too on uh as far as moving forward we'll get into that um all the new changes that's what we're all training on right now and it's all just coming in really quick or almost oh, yeah. in january and i'm sure you've got a lot going on with that so what about you riding pretty much uh i started sending out invites for our middle of the month training uh this week because we're supposed to finally actually have our hands on some product um i read the rube product i've been around it my whole life um so that's been that's been my primary brand since i was four um <laughs> i keep trying to get away but uh it always brings <laughs> me back hvac always brings me back i grew up in a contracting family um and then ended up on the wholesale side uh after college so that's kind of how i got here i've been a tm for a little over a decade um after uh slugging it out in the trenches of uh counters and inside sales first um mm -hmm. but you get there you got to go through it but i was gonna say peter how many guys do you have out hitting up distributors like nationwide guys i guess like who you talked to riding that came in i actually it actually wasn't a distributor uh tm that hit me up first i actually talked with will from out in colorado he was the first yeah. guy i spoke to uh was will and i had a about a 30 minute zoom call i would say march april of this year maybe um yeah. that's where i started getting to learn a little bit about refrigerant um that's kind of where i started to get get some of this and then not long after that you guys had the uh the traveling road show came rolling mm -hmm. through charlotte um yep. i didn't go because uh it doesn't always look so good when the rival TMs show up at another distributor. Uh, <laughs> yeah, now, they were literally yeah. next door. You at least you guys you know, were next ne door. So, <laughs> so it's it's one thing you know to go stake out the parking lot during lunch so I can try to eyeball your customers, but it's another one to just come walking on in <laughs> like I own the place. Yeah, why not? <laughs> oh, I think that was uh, what was that free or it was. Uh, beer and burgers right yeah we had a yeah they got, we had this huge uh food truck and we drove from you know from la down to phoenix to texas to florida up the east coast uh, it was pretty cool you know we spent a good you know two months on the road and it was you know went through 20 cities it was a lot it was a lot of fun a lot of work but it was yeah. cool you know getting to talk to just thousands of techs and interact with them so yeah, well let's uh I guess let's start kind of at the beginning of what I or what I kind of assume is the beginning. So kind of your path into heating and air conditioning or HVACR. So how did the creation of your refrigerant happen? You know, was it something you were working on or something you just kind of fell into, or how did you even get into the refrigerant game in the first place? Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of a strange story. So let's see. So I think it all start you gotta you gotta know my original background to really understand it. Yeah, see, that's what we're so, here for. We're here yeah, for the yeah. dirt. Yeah, so um, let's see. So I, you know, I originally, and still am, I guess, well, uh, I'm a physicist. So I was, you know, with the Columbia, was an applied physicist, was doing uh, like, you know, nuclear fusion research at Columbia from 88, 89, 90, 91. And then in 91, so I'm a physicist at heart. Like that's my my drive. That's what, right. that's what I see the world through that lens. Uh, but then in 91, the program I was working on got cut 
by the feds. So my whole summer job and you know next year of my life was all of a sudden removed, like boop, gone. And of course, I don't know if you guys are old enough, but 91 was a pretty shitty year uh, in the US economy <laughs> world. <laughs> it was pretty bad. And so I was like, well, fuck, I can't pay my bills. So what am I gonna do? So I got a job back in 91 as a like an analyst for this real estate company. I was a kid, I was you know 21 years old, didn't know what the hell was going on, but we needed to make some money. And these, of course, the days before the, you know, you go home to your parents, that was not in the, that was not an option. No. <laughs> Heck, in those well, days. That's, that, I wish my son was listening. That's not an option here either. I just throw that out there. <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't have to change as we go through. Yeah, no, that's <laughs> all right. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, that was like the I, I, short, short story, though, before I get there. Um, I always have this, I have this uh, big plaque or like a big, um, I don't know, like a painting kind of thing that my parents gave me when I graduated college and it's all the canceled checks that they wrote to school. And on the back of it, it says bank of dad is closed. Nice. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. Yeah. So uh, it was pretty funny. But yeah, so here I am. Uh, that whole thing happened. I got to explain. And so I got a job at this real estate company, which I thought was going to be you know, like a six month gig just to figure out what I was going to do next. But turned out I got there and, you know, realized, you know, how I saw the world and you know, whatnot was different than most in that industry. And everybody around me was making tons of money and they were not the brightest, you know, stars in the sky. Yeah, and so yeah. I, I stayed a year, I stayed two years, I stayed five years, you know, next thing you know, I'm there 10 years and I'm building a, you know, building a team uh, in the commercial real estate sector, which long story short, turned out, turned out to be really, really fun, really lucrative, you know, made a ton of money. Um, but then I get, you know, all of a sudden it's 15, 20 years in and I'm like, holy shit, how did I become a real estate guy? What just happened? <laughs> right. My life just evaporated. Um, and so I just woke up one day, you know, sort of like 39 year old midlife crisis. And I'm like, I got I This is crazy. What am I doing? Um, and of course, everybody thought I was insane because I was you know making a ton of money, but I wasn't doing what I wanted to do, you know, in the world. So left. Uh, took like six months off, dove back into physics, dove back into just that world and started my own little uh, like venture capital fund to go out and you know finance new and interesting technologies that I could get my head wrapped around uh, on the physics side. And one of the ideas I came across turned out to be not the right technology, but the idea was the cool one was this individual and the idea of, of uh, creating a refrigerant that would replace R22. We all know R22 was being, you know, back then the phase out was just in the early phases, you know, the early beginning of it. Everybody thought it was going to be 10 years away. Yep. And, and you know, I knowing enough about refrigerants and enough about the commercial real estate world and how just terrible all of the prior replacements were and there was really no large scale adoption. Everybody was avoiding them like the plague. The idea right. was interesting to me. I was like, that's a that's a fascinating idea. If you could figure out how to formulate a new refrigerant that actually will be compatible with this massive amount of infrastructure that's out there that needs some solution, you know, there's a there's a big opportunity there. And that was really the initial concept. And then we formed uh, Blue On in late 2011, uh, which was really just a, a refrigerant R and D company at the time for for four and a half years. Right, all we did was test different methods of blending and creating new refrigerants that would work in existing legacy equipment, uh, R22 type equipment, and produce the same capacity with 
higher efficiency and, and less environmental impact. And so that, that's all we did right? from 2011 to 2015 was pure white coats, you know, chemistry lab kind of deal, uh, working right. around the clock, trying to figure out how to make a better refrigerant, better mousetrap. But the real story starts when the refrigerant was created and now we're out in the real world with my, my commercial real estate contacts. We have all this demand to start doing rollout programs. And then the big aha hit because we ran into this massive group of HVAC techs who wanted no part of it, right? Because yep. they've been burned, you know, by all the prior replacements and like, yeah, whatever, yeah, not interested. You know, we, yep. we've been down that road and you know, we know that we know that that deal and it really have no interest. And so at that moment we had sort of an existential crisis and what do you do? You either retreat or you figure out a way to get, those 300,000 technicians to adopt, champion, advocate for the product. And that's where the app idea came from in like late 16 was how do you, how do you get these guys to want to use your product? And knowing why they all got burned, I'm like, well, my idea was, well, if we just put all of the models in a database and let them look them up and get super simple instructions of what to do or what not to do relative to that piece of equipment, then you know we'll solve that adoption problem. Of course, I was naive at the time and didn't realize there was you know hundred thousand models out there of R twenty two equipment. And yeah. Yeah. but I think our naiveness was our advantage because we 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 went after it. Because if you knew the big if you knew the size of the problem, you wouldn't even try to tackle yeah, it. Yeah, you'd be big. afraid to go after it. So yeah. and that kind of I guess that's where that's where that shift of going to community engagement as opposed of just market to distribution was where that kind of changed i'm guessing yeah At least was, initial, initially yeah no you, you're right it was it was sort of I, people always ask you how did you figure this out i go it was accidental because we we needed product adoption and we were a refrigerant so we had to create a brand agnostic engine for that adoption we had to get all the information for the retrofit steps and in order to get all the information i had to collect all the controls, tech specs, manuals, service bulletins. I had to collect all that information. So we we're like, oh, let's just put them in the database so guys can reference them when they're doing their retrofit, having not a shit clue that that data was the value, right? Being able to brand agnostic, look up an owner's manual for any model number in five seconds is massive value. Didn't know that at the time. So what we created this, this retrofit app quickly became an information app for manuals and tech specs in real time. And that's when the aha went on. We're like, oh my God, the thirst for this knowledge in the brand agnostic platform is so big, you can't oh, even calculate it. And that, that's yeah, what I mean, went on. Yeah, I can quantify that um, as a territory manager too, because the amount of times, you know, I get, you know, five to 20 year old equipment from any other brand and even some for my own if it's old old enough and i've got to look it up in the historical archive it's like where in the hell well you can't just do it yeah you can't just google it it ain't coming out (laughs) you can't google Um, it that's right no so now as you started collecting this data is that when you started looking at you know well do we hire a technician that can help us find that or did you continue to do that with with it people or how did you start gathering all this info did you 
and were you even able to get manufacturers to help you get it or did it just have to go grassroots period yeah so fully grassroots the 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 good the lucky part was we already had uh, i think at the time five technicians on the team that were helping us with the like the the testing field testing and retrofit uh process right so we had a we had a team those guys are still here today same guys and so we already had this great sort of little focus group in terms of you know what what the eyes of a tech want to see but then the initial data collection was just those five guys like just ripping through thousands and thousands of equipment scraping gathering scraping gathering you know i always tell the story that you know you're you gotta almost lie, steal, lie, steal, and cheat until you're big enough where everybody wants to give you what you were lie, stealing, and cheating about. You know, <laughs> that's true. That's that's because we good we were scraping everything we could get our hands on, right? Because that was the name of the game. But then when you get big enough, now everybody wants. Now all the most OEMs are giving us their data because they want it to be correct. You know, on the platform for the the community to see. But you can never get them to do it unless you are big enough to get them to do it. Right. So it's like the chicken and egg. You're in a, you know, you got to figure out a way to get the data initially. Luckily, you know, legally it's all public domain. So you can, you can, you can scrape it, but it's a hard, it's a pain in the ass, right? It's super difficult, uh, you know, to do it that way. But yeah, so the, the, the secret to our sauce is we've got our team, our, our database team is largely consisting of HVAC techs who are also, they're out, they're out there, by the way, they're not many of them, who are also like computer software guys. So we've had to find these strange unicorns <laughs> that speak both languages. And we've got 12 of them on the team. And that's the secret because you can't just unpack this stuff if you don't know the industry. It's just, it's, you know, foreign. You would have no clue what to do. Right. With. Oh, yeah, it's, it's a... It's definitely a, you know, and then of course, you know, as we, as we built it up, then we, we moved further along. We, we bought, uh, I don't know if you guys remember, we bought a company called XREF, which was a huge database of, you know, 40 years of historical models and parts and bombs and, you know, specs and whatnot. So now it's all together in one, you know, we think we have the largest, you know, a brand agnostic database, you know, in the world that supports about 400,000 models and about, you know, six or 7 million parts all with specs and cross references. So it's, it's pretty, pretty powerful stuff. So I was going to say I was, when I was on the tech support side, so I was on, I was a, uh, tech support guy for rude for about five years. And, uh, this was not too long ago. And when I started to get wind of this app and I'm like, man, this is, I wish I would have had this when I was in the field. Right. And I downloaded the app and I had it as a distributor and I was going through it, you know, and, um, I just said, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to use this tech, this tech support deal. So I, I hit the button. Of course I wasn't working on anything. I'm sitting at my desk waiting on a call (laughs) to come in. Right. So I'm like, I gotta, I gotta check this out. I hit it. It's like, what you working on? I said, heat pump, you know, it takes you through a couple other things, you know, within a minute, this guy picks up. And, uh, of course I don't remember his name, but I think he was, uh, I was going to ask you this, but as far as timing, I don't know. He was on the, I don't know where he was at in the country, but he picked up and, uh, you know, super nice. I mean, easy to talk to. He's like, what you working on? I was like, well, I'm actually not working on anything. Um, I figured I'd just call you and see what, you know, how do you like your job and how does it go? I'm a tech tech support guy. And we literally talked for 
probably 45 minutes. Mm. Um, and he was just pumped, man. You could just tell his, uh, his demeanor was, uh, and I guarantee you I could have called one of my other tech support guys and he would have not been like that. Right. <laughs> I mean, no. you know no, what I mean? Would. It was, a, oh, yeah. it's, it's that culture that you're building. I can just tell, um, and you know, I, we, we went into, you know, how you get, you know, get calls to go from him to another guy. Maybe, maybe I'm working on a, you know, a 10 ton package unit and that's not his thing. So you've got guys that, that, that is their thing, right? Yeah. So you can kind of hand it off. And, um, I was just curious if you got any more info on that, like how many guys yeah. you got? I think at that time he said 30, maybe 30 guys. This was probably six months ago or something. This was this past summer, but yeah. Um, Okay. Yeah. I mean, I mean, we went into everything, right. But, um, what's your, what's your plan there? Just keep building on that. I mean, yeah, no, the, the tech sport team is the heart of the company and we treat them as such. So, you know, these guys are, are, you know, really incredible human beings, right? These are guys that are incredibly well, like they, their knowledge base is off the charts, right? These guys are, are really top 0.1% in knowledge, but that's not, that's just the beginning of it. Then they're, they're able to deescalate somebody. So they have the personality to deescalate people. Right. And then they have the mental ability to visualize the situation they're in, right? So they, they have this sort of three-dimensional view of the world. They deescalate. And the most important part of all of them is they all get genuine, heartfelt satisfaction of helping another tech like that gets them fired the fuck up right yeah if you don't have that in tech support you might as well get out because it's gonna be <laughs> exactly i mean it, it is it's uh, <laughs> it's you gotta that's what i'm saying like his demeanor was of course i didn't have a huge problem for him he was probably stoked but <laughs> Uh, you know, it, it was, you could just tell it's easiest different call of the day, right? there. Right. Yeah. I told him, I said, this is going to be your easiest call you've had all week. And he's just like, Oh boy, you know, and, but he's first, yeah, I mean, scared. <laughs> so we went into that. We went into the culture of, of tech support and because I'm that guy, like I, I, I was that guy to where I wanted to help everybody that called in. Cause I've been the tech at 10 at night with with me and and my and the owner it was just me and him and i didn't have anybody to call like you hit a wall man when you hit a wall you got the homeowner standing over you it's it's not good i mean it's not good at all so um i do like that that whole i mean i think what you're building there is definitely something we need um and you know as far as getting them knowledge on all the brands and everything that's going to be tough. It is what it is. Uh, there's so much product coming out. And so how do these guys get trained on new product, right? Are they just constantly, what's y'all's process? on that? Yeah, that is the, that is the million dollar question. I mean, it's sort of the, the, the challenge we're facing right now, right? Cause don't forget we've grown so much so fast in the last, you know, two years. I mean, two years ago we had, like seven guys in tech support. Now we have 40, right? So it's a, right. and we're taking 500 to 600 calls a day. You know, it's a, it's a pretty mm. healthy operation. 
and keeping them up to speed, particularly now with all these transitions coming out and new equipment going to go through some meter, some significant you know, changes, as we all know. You know, the good news is we're big enough now where we get the support of the OEMs. So working with them to be in a regular cadence of keeping our guys trained and creating a system whereby the guys that are expert in that type of equipment in that size can get the get the goods and then process that back to the team. I mean, the key is having a, a team that reflects the community, right? So that's right. been the challenge is making sure that our 40 guys go into 50 next year reflect the incoming calls on an equipment type and problem type right okay and so yeah, that was that. my that was my next question was yeah and you kind of answered it do they do they get funneled to specific segments like all right these guys do residential five ton down these guys do yes you know mid-size okay they do now and it's going to be we're, we're we're launching a new tech support so right now when you call into tech support hit that button like you talked about you right. actually there's a call being made that gets gets placed to the proper the proper uh, tech support guy based upon the couple of questions you answered before you made the call. Gotcha. So it's pretty good. The new version, which is going to be launched in the early spring, the tech support will all happen from the model homepage. So when you're on the model, whatever the model that is you're working on, you'll make the call from there. It'll connect you directly. It'll be all be video conferencing if you want with the ability to draw and see what they're looking at. But, they will, but the cool part is because it knows the piece of equipment you're on, our ability to give you the right person gets more granular. Right now we can give you the real exact person relative to that exact piece of equipment you're working on. And the, and the, whether it's an electrical problem or a tuning problem or, you know, four or five different you know, macro types of problems. So we'll be able to really, you know, air traffic control the information relative to who the right expert is. And of course they can't do it. You know, the cool part is that the guys on the team are are really good at, at knowing what they don't know uh, and not being afraid to admit it and handing off to the guys that do know, which I think is an important part of the team. But yeah, our, our biggest challenge right now over the next year is keeping everybody trained on the new stuff coming out. Like that is our number right. one priority uh, over the next year on the tech sport team. Well, that'd be that's that's tough for everybody right now. Oh, yeah. right? I mean, it's easy when you got one brand. I mean, I'm I'm on one brand now, you know, so. Uh, it's not that hard, but on your guys' side, I mean, geez, I mean, uh, it's getting crazy. You know, yeah. you got, but of course riding, you know. Oh, I know. And it's. But, and techs have to deal with everything, right? I that's mean, right. you got whatever they're selling, they're putting that in. The, the, the installers get comfortable, but that the service techs are walking up on everything. So, um, I'll say this on the show a million times, right? Everybody needs to just take as much training as you can um always i feel like yeah the training i was doing today right they they said they give me two hours to go over this product two hours and five minutes goes by and the boss is like hey you gotta wrap this up man these guys (laughs) have got to go and i'm just like you know they just don't set enough time aside i mean yeah but the calls are coming in right the bills got to get paid the calls are coming in we got to go got to go but um, it's a, it's a big challenge. I mean, I, you know, I've had the, you know, the privilege or whatever you want to call it of, of being able to speak to a lot of senior management, you know, at the big OAMs and, you know, the big, the big distributors and with, with, with some exceptions. So there's some exceptions to this rule, but for the most part, there's a, 
shocking lack of appreciation for the amount of knowledge that we need to transfer into this giant body of technicians over the next two years. It's daunting, right. and yet <laughs> yes. it's being somewhat ignored uh, by the bulk of the industry. Oh, uh, <laughs> that's an understatement. And, and <laughs> you will, know, yeah. yeah. Well, and, and I'll be honest. I said, you know, I'm looking at, I'm looking at certain brands that may look over engineered now versus other brands that look like they've done less than others. But there's going a lot of these ones that may have just lopped off the bottom. Because that's what we're seeing. We're seeing a lot of people, they just eliminated 14 seer and they're moving up to whatever their single stage 15 or 16 was and they're hoping it rates when mm -hmm. they re-rate yeah. it all. The problem is a lot of that product was designed, you know, years ago. It's not ready for flipping refrigerants and flipping compressors yet. No, it is not. Some people's is and some people's are not. And that's where pricing discrepancies are a nightmare right now. Um, no one wants to even let pricing go out there. That's a whole other ball of wax. Um, the limited amount of SEER 2 competitive information. Um, you know, good job everyone holding it close to the chest, but nobody knows where anyone's going to fall right now. Um, right. And and a lot of these guys, they may look like they're going to be cheap or cheaper when they go into market in 23, but at some point in order to be ready for 25, they're going to have re-engineering costs start adding up into 24 and 25 and you're going to see that price go up and you're going to see that equipment change in one way or another. It's going to happen. Oh, it's definitely going to happen. That's going to happen. And there's going to be wholesale reversals in certain markets. Oh I mean, yeah. This, this fantasy that all building codes, fire codes, operating lease codes, are all going to change lockstep with A2L introductions is just absolute nonsense. It's no, not, not here. We're, we, yeah. we, we're not going to be able to pull that off here. No, I mean, no chance. The United States is just God, we're terrible at that. Well, Too litigious. Um, yeah. One of, you know, I was in, <laughs> it's yeah, just I, not going to work like that. Not going to work. I was, I was in Texas uh, a week and a half ago looking at, at the factory for training for, for my product. And one of the things we even talked about was, you know, okay, well, we do finally have a refrigerant change coming. Let's look at the map of how many states have even approved legislation to let that refrigerant be in the state. Right. It's like 11 out of 50. Yeah. I was going to say, I, or actually, I no, I think it's, I think it's eight out of 50 and like seven or eight have it on the docket and the other 36 have done nothing. And even the states that have it <laughs> on the docket right. or in, you still have to go three more levels deep, right? Because even yeah. if the state lets it in, then the building's got to let it in, then the fire code's got to let it in, and then the, the, your operating lease clause has to let it in as a tenant if you're a commercial tenant. So yeah. there's, it's like who's smoking what? Like there's that for that to happen <laughs> is a 15 year exercise, not a two year exercise. No, two years. I was going to say we're, we're down, we're yeah, getting two now. It, it's nuts. I Somehow remember amazingly, North Carolina's done it. That blows my mind. Well, North has, Carolina yeah. lines up with with California. Seems California like, ain't got it done. Stuff. That's I what's know, funny. That's fun. They ain't right? got it done yet. <laughs> but even in California, I would say that ninety nine percent of commercial office buildings still won't let it in. You know, so you could have all the rules you want that said it's okay and regulate it as okay. But if you can't if you can't get it in the building because of either yeah. the the ownership or the building building code or the operating right. lease clause, 
it doesn't doesn't matter, right? It's all for nothing. So speaking of that, so is there plans? And I know we're jumping around here, but we're rolling. <laughs> so, is there plans on four ten a drop in? If we call it a drop in, we shouldn't call it yeah. a drop in. But well, I don't know. I guess you What's could. The deal with that? I mean, <laughs> everything's gonna. If I feel like, sorry. I mean, how sorry, hard? Peter. How hard of a stop is that gonna be? Right. I mean, do we know? Well, because everyone drops in everything on 22, whether it's a drop in or not, it's almost like I feel like when you start designing for 410, you might as well just engineer it as a drop in and not a replacement. I, I don't know. The yeah, it's a you know I spent a lot of time in that world. You know, our our business of course is evolving uh, away from the refrigerant, and we're looking to partner on the refrigerant side so we can be sort of more brand agnostic on the platform side. But yeah, I mean. It's a it's a much more difficult challenge than the R22 replacement world because because of the GWP requirements and the flammability right. requirements, it's you really have your hands cut your hands behind your back. You can't like developing a product that will work and not be a massive, you know, efficiency loss or capacity loss is a massive challenge. Um, even the ones that are out there now, I mean, you look at whether it's a uh, you know four five four B or four six six A, these are these are not great options, like relative to, you know, your 466A, I mean, you, you, if you think 410A craps out in high ambient, look out, right? That thing is going to, that thing is a disaster when you get above you know, 100 degrees. So mm. there's all these problems that nobody seems to care about, you know, when, they, when they're looking at them. Uh, it's Because they only care about what's in their bubble. Yeah, right. That's right. Yeah, I mean, there I've been is. I've been starting my classes with if you want to retire, now's your chance. Like, <laughs> if you're an A, and I'm looking out there, and there's guys like in their late fifties, and there's like the next week I go to train, and they're not there. They just hung it up. They're like, you know what? I'm out. <laughs> this is, you know, I start talking about the refrigerants. You know, they're gonna have to carry at least five jugs of something in their van, different jugs. Well, and speaking of that. uh, I keep hearing about them wanting to make it to where we have to use refillable cylinders for everything. How oh yeah. That, that keeps how, getting shot how, down, how, but yeah. it keeps getting thrown back well, up it's, again. It's in the, it's, it's in the AIM Act. It's, it's coming. I mean, and without legislative uh, revision, it's, it's coming. I mean, it's, it has to happen right before 2025 based upon the, the current legislation. I, I'm with you. I bet that's going to be a challenge, but. There's no infrastructure for it whatsoever. It's a yeah. So what would be the move on that? Distributors have to. We have to have a gas station. Literally, we all got to go well, bury it, like six tanks underground and fill them with. <laughs> it'd probably be like Canada. I mean, Canada works that way. The problem is, it adds like 150 bucks for to every canister because you have the the deposit. So now the you know the, just the cost of doing business goes up. And of course, hmm. the you know it, it alters you know the way in which those canisters fit in your everything's different, right? They're a different shape. They're a different. Uh, you know the way you, way the way you interact with them is different. But uh, yeah, I'm I'm with you. It's that challenge. Yeah, the infrastructure is what I'm thinking of. Like, yeah, nobody's yep. set up for that. No, not even close. And of course, all of the the reclamation, right? Because now once once nobody can make high GWP HFCs like a 410. All of it's going to be reclaimed. And right now, you know, the reclamation in the residential sector is basically zero. 
So trying yeah. to figure out how to move <laughs> that needle, we're working on that with a couple of large players. That's a big deal. And we're, we're sending, you know, 10 million pounds of R22 up in the atmosphere every year just because, you know, techs don't have recovery machines, you know, on the, on the, uh, on the residential side. So you're well, saying and, and that letting that. it loose in a gallon of water does not work. Is that it what you're work. saying? <laughs> <laughs> Dang it. Everybody's just been lied to their whole life on it. Damn it. Yeah. Uh, well, the problem the problem with reclamation on the distribution side, too, is, okay, even if you've got guys that are reclaiming it, half of them are reclaiming what some other jack leg mix matched. Yeah. So as soon as, you, as, soon as the dis- distributor sends those jugs back, Nothing's clean, so we don't get paid, but we still got to pay the contractor. That's why every distributor got out of it because Bingo. we were just the guy in the middle that got screwed, which is pretty much what distribution is most of the time. But, <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, and you if, know, yeah, so you start tightening up on all this, like all these costs just going to get funneled down to the homeowner, right? That's the oh, yeah. end. Um, no doubt. That's where it has to go. I don't know where else it's supposed to go, but yeah, it has to go there. I don't know how many times I've said that on here. Poor homeowners just getting hammered. Oh, they're going to get crushed. Uh, <laughs> I mean, um, all right. So what else do you have coming down the pipeline you want to talk about that's new? I know you were talking about the uh, getting the parts. I used to have to go get the parts out of the bushes from the distributor. I'm going to love that new deal. <laughs> yeah. um, leaving it out back, you know, <laughs> after hours. Is that going to be uh, – so when did you say you're launching that? Well, or? yeah, I'll take a little step back there. So, I mean, the way, so we have this massive community, you know, we have all these techs interacting and, and we're supporting them in, in, you know, all kinds of different ways, tech support, data, information, connectivity, you know, our forum is super active with guys asking questions, which we just got an upgrade, by the way, this week, check it out. The, the real big change, which, you know, is sort of in its infancy, is the ability for a tech in the field to super easily check availability and pricing with their local distributor, you know, ridiculously easily without having to think about it, right? Because we've done all the work. All we need to do is pick the model number. The system knows what the part number is for that model number. It also knows all of the cross-reference replacements for that part number. So when when you ask, your local distributor, you know, company X for a, for a quote, they already have all that data. It shows up in their system. Oh, I need this, you know, I need this uh, contact or this compressor. And here's all of the compatible options that make sense on the brands I carry as distributor X. So their job has became super easy. Their counter staff are now, you know, expert, even though they don't have to know anything, they just know how to read a incoming request. And all that information flows very rapidly back to the tech with a quick quote on what they need and they can move forward. And so we building that system out was incredibly difficult, but now it's operational and it's it's really slick. So now getting getting techs to start to use that as their normal course of action. And then what we're adding now, which I mentioned earlier, is the ability to have that once you did that process and you got your quote and now you want to you know get part X or part Y. You can hit a button and and Curry will pick it up and bring it to you, you know, for like 25 bucks, right? So it's super cheap uh, and makes the whole process of, of, you know, getting what you need, where you're at in real time with the whole, you know, the whole normal experience of the map and tracking and just a very easy experience we've all come accustomed to in the current world with delivery of everything under the sun. 
and making that very seamless. But the big issue is having guys get the right part that they need right. with not having <laughs> to do a 20 minute back and forth with a local distributor on Alpha Tango, Bravo. What are you talking about? You know, all that goes away because it's all taken care of by the system. So, so my question, I guess, allow me to play distribution devil's advocate here. Mm. Um, Please. So I know you don't get that ever. You right? never get that. <laughs> Here's your opportunity, sir. Um, <laughs> so first question is when you're, let's say you're going to bring on a new distributor. Mm-hmm. And part of the whole thing is finding a way for parts to kind of be universal. So I'm guessing, you know, one of the major steps is does that distributor have to tell you exactly what, you know, all of their part numbers are for all of this part and all of this so that you can make your database sync up with what you would be sending. Like say this 45.5 cap is part one, two, three YF almost had a refrigerant there. It's close (laughs) Um, in your system, but over here it's eight, two, four Z five. So it knows if your guy sees this part as this and your system is going to order as this here. And then how much does the distributor actually have to open up, you know, their database if it's even possible, you know, in order to get that partnership to work? Yeah. You know, is it advantageous for what they have to give up to to get that access? Those are great questions. And so I think what we we went into this knowing those challenges. And so we first decided to not do inventory integration because the resistance is big time, right? Nobody wants to show us or anybody else their inventory or their pricing. So what we did is we, we created this really interesting, low barrier, easy adoption, high value system. So imagine techs in the field, they're on a carrier, blah, 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 you know, you know unit X pack, you know, they're like a 10 ton package unit. And they're looking to get, you know, even though it could be as complicated as a, as a compressor, it could be, you know, any, anything that's in the bill of materials, which could be up to like 120 uh, parts on that model number. So we have all that data for 345,000 models, the bill of materials that's specific to that model number in the field. So all they have to do is know what model number they're working on and they just got to know what part they want. They don't need to know the number. All they do is say, I need a contactor. I need a filter dryer. I need a, I need the hard start capacitor. I need whatever the thing is by name. And then that information gets sent to, so we already know where these guys shop based on what they tell us. So I know Jimmy, the tech has accounts at four distributors. He wants to send this to this one. He picks, it's his choice. So it goes to that distributor that he has account and he has an account at, but it comes with all of the cross-reference alternative part numbers based upon that local distributor, what they carry. So a local distributor carries, you know, these 12 brands and these 12, uh, you know, aftermarket part brands. So we, we can supply them with the, with the OEM part number, but also the compatible part numbers that work in its stay that they would know uh, based upon their ERP. Then they're just clicking a box relative to which one they have, put the price in and send it back. So they, they are doing that step. So it is an extra step for them, but because it saves them like 10 to 15 minutes of research on the cross-reference, they're all gung-ho about it. And they don't have to worry about the incoming information relative to what that tech is looking for because the system has done all the work to tell them exactly what that part number is and there's no confusion 
relative to the, the huh. request. So there's one extra step by the distributor, but the information is so specific and comprehensive to what they carry. It lets them do their job in, in seconds uh, versus you know 15 minutes. I mean, yeah, you say that's an extra step, but I mean, I've been on the counter and taken a call and you're going to do that half of that anyway. Right. Yeah, you are. I mean, you're really cutting out quite a few steps. I mean, yeah, I mean, I think that's where we're headed. You know, when we, when we hit the COVID time, you know, me and Ryden were in the branch and we were on lockdown and you had to set the part out on the dock. And I was like, if I was a tech, I would be crushing this. Like, you want me to text you what I need and you're just going to set yeah. it out here and I'm just going to grab it and go. You. Like, that's what I should, you know, that's where we're headed anyway. I mean, um, so yeah. trying to simplify, you know, the, the days of coming in and I, you know, I, I hate it, but the days of coming in and setting up at the counter and just drinking coffee and hanging out are just gone. Like that new generation doesn't do that. You're right. right. Yeah. Um, you know, we used to make popcorn in the branch and, <laughs> that whole deal and you're just hanging out and you might buy something <laughs> that day there you might not you know you might get kicked out because you ate all the popcorn <laughs> right i mean you got business owners now that they're text you know look guys we're not hanging out at the branch you go there your order's ready pick it up let's go i put it in last night exactly you know that's where we're headed so yep. bingo um, the, the only the only challenge of that which i think is what we're trying to help hoping to solve is that the younger guys who are more inclined to what you just described are also the less inclined to know what exact part they want, right? Yep. Because they don't know they don't have the experience or the knowledge to do so. So what we're trying to do is say, hey, let us let us do the work on that. All you gotta do is tell us what model number you're on and the rest of it gets taken care of. And then then what you just described can happen without them, you know, having to worry about ordering the wrong part. It's interesting, we did a survey about 3000 of our of our techs and this will kind of blow your mind the younger they were the less likely they were to use existing e-commerce for their job and that's because they're wow. afraid of getting the wrong thing right but it's so backwards right any other industry obviously the younger you are the more likely you are to use e-commerce but in hvac it's upside down because the that's fear factor goes so far up yeah so you're saying they want to hear a guy, they want a guy looking it up and telling them. Yep. Well, but that does make sense for this generation because they don't want to accept responsibility. for. That's anything. right. You just nailed it. That's what it is. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> yeah. That's exactly right. I didn't, I didn't put, I didn't get the wrong part. He ordered it. I didn't order That's it. That's it. Well, I <laughs> called him. He looked up the wrong thing. He said this was what was going to fix it. <laughs> Yeah. Oh yeah. The distributor always gets the blame for letting the smoke out of the control board. Yeah, um, it's right. And you know, a lot of our but, distributor partners are are super stoked because you know they're having a hard time replacing the guys with all the tribal knowledge with the younger guys who just don't have that you know depth of understanding. They can't do the cross reference that fast. It takes them way longer. So we we the system we built lets a you know lets a green a green twenty two year old be able to do you know super fast cross referencing. It's all right there. So what is your biggest kickback you get from a distributor? Like what's the biggest thing they're just, they won't let you in. They won't let us in. Uh, you know, I think their biggest is the, concern is yeah. pricing, right? They don't want, uh, they don't want the quote prices that they're giving to customer X 
to be publicly available, right? They don't want those okay. prices to be known by other customers in that distributor and also their their competitors. So that's that's kind of our biggest, you know, challenge is to make it make it clear to them that we're not sharing the information. It's safe, it's pr- protected. But I think that's 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 a big issue. Is, okay. is that's what I was thinking. Well, I'm, I'm sure that's that's probably pretty much numero uno. But yeah. <laughs> As you guys know, they have you know these guys will have 15, 20 price schedules for different different customers, so it's not so simple. No, it is All not right. anymore. <laughs> but yeah, so what do you think's gonna What do you think's gonna happen um, between now and twenty twenty five with the generation of techs and business owners we got currently? I mean. Are we forcing the old guys out <laughs> or who's next or what is our, you know, what are we looking at in this, in this industry? Your yeah, opinion. That's a great question. I mean, you know, I think something's got to give, right? Because there's the, the pressure coming from the new regs hasn't been fully realized yet by the industry, right? So the, the OEMs feel it the most. Distributors are starting to feel it. Contractors are kind of in the dark and techs are totally in the dark, right? So there's this huge lag of that information and, and what it means to, to day in and day out work. But in terms of what it does to the industry, you know, HVAC is such a weird place because it's, it's like the last, one of the last few entrepreneurial industries where, you know, the average size of a shop is like four guys, right? And that's what drives the yeah. market. Um, yeah. And so it's this deeply fragmented business model um, that is difficult to roll up because of all the all the nuances of it. Yeah, it's a hard question. I mean, I think that the guys that can adapt and because ultimately it comes down to the guys that can have the right team that is up to speed and can maneuver efficiently in the new sort of the new the new rules, you know, as those right. as those get changed. Yep. And the guys that can get ahead of that, which is going to be hard to see. I almost think the the meat, the smaller shops might have an advantage. I mean, the bigger guys who are who are just so slow to to train their guys, at least from my perspective, could be a challenge. But it's a, it's a tough one. I don't think I have a, a great view on on what. Yeah, there's really no answer to that. Yeah. <laughs> I guess that's a you know our famous line that Dennis has always coined is a uh, evolve or dissolve. Yeah, <laughs> that's kind of where we are. Yeah, now. Uh, yeah, no doubt. Because the rules haven't well, set in yet; they're going to change. Right? I think the rules that are out there now are going to change. They're not; those are not the rules we're going to see in two years. They're going to be different. Well, and that's that's what we were right. talking about earlier. Like like we said, there's there's brands that are all in the middle of everything right now. Every brand is going to have some kind of massive change in one way or another again before this is over we're already seeing well and we're already i mean i'm not a big stuff i'm not a big politic guy right but a different administration can change everything we're talking about i mean yeah or can it i mean i would i would think so you know it's got a little bit more challenge to it but definitely it definitely can uh and and likely will um in terms of you know regardless of which way it goes there'll be changes right right? you know in one way or the other so yeah, I think that's that's definitely true, and you know, there's such a lack of a lack of appreciation for the big long tail of these changes that the regulators just 
don't care, right? It always drives me crazy. They don't realize the repercussions of these moves and how they impact just, you know, so many, just thousands of companies uh, that are having to deal with these changes without any uh, understanding of what's coming next. Well, I don't know if you've been in a community college lately um, and looked at their equipment. It's, um, it's not current. (laughs) I mean, I'm just throwing that out there. I hope there's some out there. I'm not, you know, but I talked to these techs that I'm training like, yeah, you know, this guy, he just got out of school and I'm like, what are you training on in there? You know, and they're in there like, this is a contactor and all this stuff's great. And they got to have that. But these, these schools are selling these kids that when you get out, you're ready to go and you're going to make all this money because they're a business too. Right. Mm -hmm. It is what it is. Um, and these 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 community colleges and stuff are so behind, man. Ooh, yeah. I don't know what the answer for that is either. I mean, God, I mean it's up remember. to these just you know, it's up to distributors and you know, like I mean, we're a manufacturer's rep. I'm training three days a week all over North and South Carolina. I mean, I'm just you know, I'm burning up the road just on my brand, my one little brand. Um, and I'll just start questioning these guys, you know. After class or whatever, you see the young kid come up to you and he's just asking you a million questions and they're just completely blindsided. They have, I mean, there's a lot of getting ready to hit them. You know? there, the, I will say one thing, you know, by, by being front and center in the tech support side of the business, the amount of questions we get, which are really just basic, like basic, basic, basic fundamental questions is mind-blowing right and so they're the you talk about the next generation of equipment but these guys i mean i would say from my experience if you pulled a hundred new guys let's say they're two years in the business or less less than a quarter of them could even name the four components of the cycle they they couldn't right so oh oh, yeah they may have went to school and they went to school right exactly And I, I would say less than 20% know what a dual column PT chart is, right? So these are fundamental challenges that we got to get over before you even start talking about the new stuff, right? They how do oh, even yeah, go to right. the new stuff without that stuff. Well, and they got it, you know, that comes back to the, the company, right? They got to put them in a van. They got to get going. You got these guys just fire up these businesses and they're like, I mean, I don't have time to train this guy. I don't have, I'm like, well, you, you got to, someone's got right. to, I mean, I don't know. There's yeah. No you have to, he doing. has to be trained. Um, like, yeah, I don't have time. I don't, I can't, I can't afford to train him, you know, you can't afford well, not you can't, well, then you can't start this business. I mean, I, I don't know what to say about that. Like, you're right, but that's, that's what's happening. They're all just thrown out there. I was one of those guys. I'd come out of school and I'm like, Oh, this is pretty cool. And then, Oh, I got to get in the van. Oh, I got 10 calls a day. Oh shit. Okay. <laughs> Um, yeah. and then you got to learn to talk to a homeowner like immediately. I mean, that's a whole nother training yeah. session. But- the shortage, the, the labor shortage is going to be the big, the big issue because all the new equipment is going to make the labor shortage just way more acute. And yep. these guys yep. are going to have to get, so I think what we're really gearing up to is to, to provide, I call it just in time training. So when the guys are in front of that situation, they can watch, you know, a one minute video, or get something really quick and direct to that point. You know, how we all right. learn as kids, we we learn to memorize and under and sort of like to be proactive in our in our training. 
the, the kids, you know, 25 and below, they index knowledge. They don't remember anything. They just need to know where to go to find it, not what it is. Yeah, when they leave that call, they don't, they're done with that one. Right, right. They, they don't know where to find it. So right. is, yeah, and so it's, it is a different ball game. But we're, we're spending a lot of time on, on trying to create that just-in-time training where these guys can get at least the beginning of it and, and then want to follow that through. But, man, it's a, it's a big mountain. That is a mountain. Oh, yeah. Well, and you say that, um, it's not just a mountain on the contractor side. Uh, again, referencing back to where I was a week and a half ago, the amount of guys that were in that room that were TMs with, you know, 18 months or less in the field. I mean, these guys don't even know what the refrigeration cycle is. Right. They're like, well, that guy needed a compressor. I got him a compressor. I was like, well, what does it do? I don't know. <laughs> God. Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, and, and I, I lived that life when I started in, in wholesale, I worked for a big, big national distributor, you know, went in there as a management trainee, got promised to be outside. The problem was the guys they kept putting outside kept calling me inside because they didn't know what they were doing. So someone had to know how to do it for them. Um, I mean, I remember get guys that have been, they were TMs that were six months in and they're calling me going, can we quote 10 line sets? What's a line set? I was like, but I was like, you got promoted before I did. <laughs> I'm in the wrong business. Um, but I mean, it was just time and time again. And, and I saw that same thing. You know, these, some of these guys are younger. Some of them are older, changing careers. And I mean, it's deer in headlights. They have no idea what they're doing. I said, well, how? I said, man, I said, if you don't know the basics of this, I said, any contractor you meet is going to laugh you out of the room, man. I said, yeah, I said, you've, you've got to get a handle on it. And I guess, you know, I was lucky enough. I grew up in some of it. So a lot of it got drilled into my head, but even just the, the simple basics, there's, there's nothing even for these TMs to really go through that, that they can comprehend or understand because no one took the time to figure out their learning style to teach them what they need to know to even go do that. You know, right. it's just here, take this motor, show everybody this motor and sell some. Here, take this brochure, show everybody do something. I mean, you, it comes down to here's your script, but then then you lose the whole point of even having a TM that can help you out of a jam. Right. What's the point? Yeah. Yeah. So my, what I'm saying is that those problems, which are systemic, are going to all are going to show themselves to be much more problematic as we go through this transition. Right. Yeah, tip of the right. iceberg. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. But yeah, I mean, I so think I don't want to, thinking yeah. about it. I was going to say, I don't want to, we don't want to keep you on too long. You've, uh, you've been killing on here. I got, I got two big questions for you. Give me. All right. The first one is what is your go-to podcast? Oh man. Like, I don't care what it is. Like I'm a big golf podcast guy secretly. I'm trying to make this a golf podcast, but I can't seem to get riding on board. I would I say message from doc after that one. Yeah. <laughs> The only podcast I listen to with any type of regularity would be Rogan. Okay. Hey, it's yeah, you one. can't beat it's, Rogan. It's yeah. a good one. It's hard to beat Rogan. All right. And the other one is what is your most recent, what's your go-to music? What's your downloads? Your latest music downloads? Lit, you listen to music in the car or you listen to Oh, yeah. Yeah. The, the latest, well, I do a lot of, uh, you know, I do mostly either spotify or pandora so it's not really specific but i would say right i'm like an alt like alt music kind of guy the last album i bought was the new uh 
Chili Peppers album just came out a couple I weeks ago. I was so getting ready to ask yeah. if it was the new Chili Well, I was, yeah, I was going to ask. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, I, nice. I've been cranking that one in the office as of late. Um, <laughs> yeah, but I mean, I, it's funny because, you, know, you, know, you know, it's funny. You don't really buy music anymore because you just listen to the, you know. You yeah, I'm a Spotify guy. Yeah. That's me. I, I pay for that. I mean, it is what it is. You got to, I think Ryden's a Pandora guy. I do, I do both. I've been an iHeart guy since. Oh, iHeart. Okay, that's right. However, now I will say kudos to Pandora because HVAC R&D kills it over there. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, that's our biggest. No shit. Yeah, I never imagined that would be our biggest traffic spot, but we absolutely blow the doors off on Pandora. Yeah, we can. We barely have much on Spotify. It's just completely yeah, Spotify, backwards. Spotify has taken some time to, to dig in over there. Now, granted, we've not been on because initially when, so funny story with the podcast thing, half the places want MP3s, half of them want MP4s and half the hosting companies will only support so many of either one. So mm. when we started this thing, we're like, well, which hosting company does the most that's most economical and we'll start there first. Yeah, you'd so, think you could just get one host, but it no, just don't work that way. Yeah. no. So, you know, we we started over here, and that's kind of how we we've been on on Pandora and a lot of those since um, late 2020. Which you know, we talk about lockdown changing everything. You know, lockdowns what you know got us into doing this finally. Um, but then you know, it took us a little bit of time to start having you know enough to where we could start putting it on another platform then loading it all up over there so you know i guess it's uh you guys deal with that you know apple and android oh yeah besides the market i'm sure that's a fun integration those two still just don't those two still don't jive man they just hates my android because you all have apple products yeah well you know what, what we do i mean a lot of guys now use what's called a it's a not to get too in the, the geek weeds, but it's called React Native. It's a it's a language that you can use that automatically splits itself into iOS and Android. So you just have to, you know, basically develop in one thing, and then it automatically will create the the version, you know, for both iOS and Android. So it makes it makes developing a lot easier. Before you have two separate for, teams. I yeah. like it. I need that so I can see Ryden's videos. And they're not and three versa. megapixel and vice versa. <laughs> it's uh, funny because, you know, in, in, it's it's interesting because the HVAC community as a whole is is predominantly Android. But our users are about 60, 60 percent uh, iOS as a rule, uh, give or take. Wow. It's kind of, yeah, who knows why? Well, techie, you still you all your big, real big tech guys are Android because you can do more. But the Apple product, man it still just works and it never has to be cleaned up. Like, yeah, what's the deal with that? <laughs> it just doesn't you know? break. Yeah. It's you know, my, my fire stick has to be reset. Like, I don't know how many times <laughs> And my Apple TV. I haven't reset it in eight years. <laughs> there's a difference there, right? Yeah. I mean, there's a, it's just, you know, one's 29, one's $19 and one's 200, but that's right. Um, that's so, exactly right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> it's throwaway. One's throwaway. And, I don't want you to keep, but well, look, well, thanks for coming on the show, man. You crushed it. We got a lot of info. Um, a lot of fun. Thank you so much. No, thanks yeah, for having me, guys. I really appreciate it. I appreciate what you guys do. And, you know, it's, it's super useful to get this info out and, you know, it takes guys like, like you guys to, 
keep everybody informed and, and you know, in a, in a way that is actually entertaining and people will absorb it, right? And this, in this day and age, you can have all the info if you want, but if it's not at least a little bit entertaining, you share shit and not going to absorb it. And that's the whole right. truth. Hopefully you didn't drink too many vodkas over there. Just a couple. <laughs> Just a couple. All right. Yep. I got two beers down over here riding. Why? Well, hey, uh, hopefully, hopefully, uh, <laughs> hopefully maybe we'll get to cheers, cheers you at uh, AHR since they keep saying. Oh yeah, we'll be there. There's going to be a bunch. Yeah. So, okay. Uh, most definitely. We're going to have a, a pretty killer, pretty killer setup this year. That's going to be pretty, pretty awesome. I was going like to say it's a good time for you to schedule some time to come over to the booth. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, cool. You guys will be doing like the in that that normal the podcast area. Yeah, we've got most of our shows are in the afternoon. Our meet and greets are kind of middle of the day, so that we wanted to have the mornings to kind of be able to go around and, and meet people cool. and spend some yeah. time on the floor with people. So, well, definitely, yeah, we're gonna have we'll have a we're gonna have a whole like bar set up at our at our area. So yeah, feel free to come over and enjoy enjoy a beverage of your choice. Nice. My All man. right, we'll see you soon, man. And I'll, uh, well, yeah, we'll see you at AHR probably. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, that'd be fun. Be fun. Right on, guys. Right. Thanks a lot. Yep. Appreciate it. Yep. Have a good night. Cheers.